The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Thirty-yard field goal try from Mike Meyer from the right hash mark, and it is good. So Meyer's two for two. Prior to that one from 28 and 22, and now he's added officially a 29-yarder to get to three for three for the game. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast. This one features Scott Doctorman, who looks ahead at the Hawks road game at Purdue. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and new Purdue head coach Daryl Hazel. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Doctorman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show this week and our other reporters' notebook podcast with Susan Dank, as well as Brent Balbinat's press box report. The Iowa Wisconsin game highlights are courtesy of ABC with announcers. John McDonough and Chris Spielman. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about his team's poor offensive performance inside the red zone. I, I don't know. It was Saturday. It was just frustrating we couldn't get touchdowns. And you play a good team like that, a team that's as uh, good as they are offensively. You know, when you get down there, you need to, to make make do with your uh, opportunities, and we just didn't, didn't uh, have any luck there. So, you know, three trips down there, you end up coming away, three field goals. You know, certainly a, a touchdown would have made a big difference. And then, uh, you know, if you can go convert a couple of them that would have been uh, really good but uh, yeah the first two really just you know we kind of had some self-inflicted uh, wounds that, that made it tougher and that that part's disappointing. Ferentz was asked about running back by committee. Yeah we'll take it a game at a time but uh, you know Jordan came in and gave us a spark the other day and there were two things on that you know obviously Mark, uh, Mark had an injury that took him out of the game uh, we expect him to be back okay. The other part, too, you know, Jordan gave us a little bit of a change up in there and uh, hit that one nice run and did a good job. And as I've said, he's been practicing really well. So we'll we'll just play it a game at a time, try to do what's best. But, again, it's a little tricky trying to get four guys in. But, uh, you know, we we have no problem with all four, and we think they're all pretty capable guys. Kirk talks about Jake Rudock's play in the Wisconsin game and his apparent hesitancy on some passing plays. Yeah, I mean, they they, we we didn't get wide open. Uh, You know, we just we weren't in sync. I mean, they, they played a good defensive game. 52 minutes, I mean, it was a heck of a pitcher's duel, I, I thought. I mean, both teams were playing good defense. That didn't come as a, a real surprise to me. I think uh, both teams are very capable defensively. And, you know, I mean, we, we made it tough on them, too, other than the one drive. They got a nice drive, you know, hit two runs on us and hit that pass right before the half. You know, other than that, up for 52 minutes, it was a great defensive ball game. And sometimes you get in those other times that it goes the other way, too. 
Ferentz talks about the importance he places on establishing the running game. You know, ultimately, we, we play best when we uh, do both. But, you know, when you can't run the ball, it's difficult. And that's, that's, you know, unless you're just a team that intends on throwing it 65 times a game or 70. And there are some people built that way. But perfect world, we'd like to be balanced. You know, sometimes you got you got to throw it better to get the running game going. You know, they work both ways. And uh, every game's a little bit different there. But uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're better if we're balanced and able to, able to dictate uh, to the defense what we're going to do and you know it kind of ties right in with third down situations you know and our, our stats were way down Saturday and we did better on the third and short stuff than we did the third and long and that's pretty typical so again if you can keep it in that manageable range third down wise it helps you and the run game is usually tied into that. And Coach Ferentz assesses Purdue's offense. Well they, they made the uh, the move to a freshman quarterback who's a very good player you know we were very interested in him during the recruiting process and uh, he's a quality young person a really good player uh, and they've, they've got an outstanding back starts there. You know, he's a, a really dangerous runner. He's their, I believe, second leading receiver, or leading receiver. He's very active in the, in the pass game as well. That, that's kind of where the focal point is. They've had some injuries uh, and some illnesses up front, moving some guys around. But, you know, it, it's going to be a game on the road. We're going to have to be at our best. Played well the last couple of weeks defensively, but we, you know, we're going to need to play well again this week. Anything can happen. <laughs> Next up, Purdue head coach Daryl Hazel, who talks about his freshman quarterback, Danny Etling. Danny worries about himself more so than the sacks and the, the offensive line. He doesn't worry about those things. He's his own worst critic, uh, and he beats himself up a little, a little bit sometimes. Uh, and we talked to Danny about, we'll, we'll help you get those, some of those issues fixed schematically to make sure he gets the ball out of his hands and to do some things protection-wise so he doesn't uh, have so much stress on him. Hazel talks about the overall mood of his team carrying a six-game losing streak into the Iowa contest. You know, I, I had a chance. I called all the seniors in on uh, Sunday, and I spent probably 45 minutes with the seniors, and I just said, what are you guys seeing? What are you guys feeling? And we talked about a, a few things, but they're still very upbeat, and they understand what our schedule looks like going forward the next four weeks. You know, our seniors have 26 days left in the program, and they're going to put everything they have into trying to be successful uh, on their way out. And uh, you know, we talked to, to the team about that as well and uh, we understand where we are but we're going to prepare as hard and as well as we have and and better on the weeks prior. Coach Hazel was asked if it's business as usual going into the last four games of the season in spite of his team's struggles. We don't change the plan the grand plan. Um, Obviously you got to see where you need to make the improvements and you got to make those improvements but the structure the scheme and the um, the vision that doesn't change and if you start to waver then then you have some issues but we're going to work hard and we're going to find those solutions to those problems that we're having. If we can fix them, we're going to fix them. And then we're going to go as go on and, and uh, attack Iowa and the rest of our opponents just that way. Hazel talks about the Iowa Hawkeyes. Well, Iowa is, you know, they do a great job running the football. They're going to run inside and outside zone, play after play after play. They got a good offensive line. They cover up people. They do a great job on their double teams. And they're just solid enough that they're going to chip away and get four and five yards. And the quarterback throws it well enough that he can hit those naked throws throws off of those zone plays. Defensively, I think they got a great defensive lineman, number 71, who is, uh, he's a very talented guy. 6'5", 315 pounds and plays in the backfield a lot of times. He's a really good football player. But I think their front seven's really good. And I think that's the strength of their defense. And with Purdue leading the nation and Big Ten in punting, Hazel explains his net punting scheme and approach. We want to punt the ball 4.0 hang time or better. We want to put it outside the left hash. We 
going to kick it to our cover guys, and we want the opposing team to average less than five yards of return. And those are our goals as a punt team unit. And it starts with the snap. We need a perfect snap. As, as crazy as that sounds, that makes the comfortable or the punter feel comfortable. Uh, and then obviously it comes down to the punter. And then I think we got great snipers on the outside, and it's all about speed and, and one two. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for the second of our two weekly reporter's notebook shows. This one was Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks ahead at the Purdue game and more. Scott, as usual, we'll start off with your closing thoughts on the loss to Wisconsin last week in Kinnick. You know, I think we saw the difference between the upper echelon and the middle part of the Big Ten. Iowa was good enough to hang with Wisconsin for 45 minutes, was able to do as good or better job as I've seen all year long with the Wisconsin running game, but just doesn't have the explosiveness on offense, the ability to extend drives the way that Wisconsin does, and that's ultimately what caught up with them. Uh, you know, 14-9 to early in the fourth quarter, I think uh, Iowa had a chance to get the upset, but could not capitalize on anything offensively, whereas Wisconsin was able to keep control of the, of the ball late in the fourth quarter and, uh, and ultimately punched through. In fact, they had more rushing yards in the fourth quarter than they did the first three combined. So I think we see where Iowa is, which is a competitive team, but not good enough to beat the upper echelon. Well, perhaps the best antidote for an ailing Iowa offense is to play Purdue. The Hawkeyes travel to West Lafayette Saturday. They're 5-4, and 2-3 and three in the Big Ten, still one game away from bowl eligibility. Purdue is 1-7, in conference play. Their only win is against FCS Indiana State. They have a first-year coach in Daryl Hazel, a new staff, uh, probably consensus the worst team in the Big Ten, and they're coming off of a, a six-game losing streak. Yeah, there's all of that and a bag of chips when it comes to Purdue. I mean, they are maybe the worst team I've seen in the Big Ten since I returned to the state in 2006. And that's really no fault of Daryl Hazel. Danny Hope left nothing there. Last year, they had an immense amount of talent and put it together to put it, to get to a bowl game, but really didn't do nearly what they should have. This year, they've actually played the two best teams, or two of the best teams, I should say, on the schedule. Fairly tough, and Notre Dame and Michigan State, but but then for the most part, it is, they've just been dominated on both sides of the ball. They don't have enough playmakers on offense, which is unusual for Purdue, and on defense, they've only got a couple of good players. They they are a young, rebuilding program. It's going to take a little bit of time for, for Daryl Hazel, but I think Daryl Hazel is the right guy there. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. Well, the one cautionary factor here, as I've looked at all of this uh, information, is there are four common opponents for the two teams, and those four common opponents have been losses for both teams, Northern Illinois, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. And all of Purdue's losses, not unlike Iowa's, have come to, to rank teams or teams receiving votes. And in fact, Iowa is the first FBS opponent that is not ranked or receiving votes that Purdue will face this year. 
year. And I'm certain that if I'm a Boilermakers coach or player, I'm looking at this as a game I have a chance to win. Absolutely. And then that's something that we looked at on the schedule. When Iowa fans have kind of checked this one off as a win and get your full eligibility, well, Purdue's not going to look at it that this way. You know, they're at home. They're playing a team they beat last year. They uh, they won in, in their version pretty exciting fashion. So they, they're looking at it as an opportunity for them to, to end this miserable season and, and get a win. In some respects, I think it's comparable to what we saw with Minnesota and Iowa a couple of years ago. I think it was 2010 season, although I think that Minnesota team's a little bit better than this Purdue team. I think what we look at, though, is not only with the uh, the op- common opponents, but then some of the other scores that Purdue's put up. I mean, you know, Ohio State, you know, they, they got just annihilated. And they had a great effort from their punter, who may be the best player on the team. And, they, you know, in fact, in the second half, Ohio State's average margin of field position started to 16, whereas still Purdue was scoreless and lost, I believe. It was, what, 63 to nothing, so, or 56. One of the two, it was bad, let's put it that way. Whereas Iowa was able to hang with Ohio State for the majority of the game. Same thing with Northern Illinois. I think the only one that probably gives them hope maybe would be Michigan State, where the Michigan State had their kind of good bat, good game, bad game from their offense, and that was certainly one of their worst games of the year. So I, if I were Purdue, yes, I would definitely be interested in, in, in thinking that this could be a potential upset. They've also got Illinois and Indiana ahead on their schedule, so those are also games that they could probably feel pretty good about having a shot at. But, but that said, Iowa's a much better team than Purdue. It, it's not even close so many different areas. And I, I think unless Iowa plays down to the level of competition, which it has over the years, but it, unless it really does in this game, I, I don't see it very close. Well, if you're an Iowa fan and you've watched the last three or four games, you're well aware of Iowa's offensive struggles, especially in the second half and particularly in the fourth quarter. The running game's in a slump. I won't uh, go over all those stats, but in fourth quarter play all season, Iowa's been outscored 71 to 27 and 0 to 33, or vice versa, in the last four games. And a little bit of symmetry here between these two teams. Iowa's not scored in the fourth quarter since September 28th. Purdue hasn't even taken a snap in the red zone since September 28th. <laughs> so what you're saying is that at the end of the third quarter, we should just go home. It's not going to matter. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and based on what I saw, seen so far, you know, that might not be a bad strategy for most media and, and fans. But I, I think this is uh, this is a situation for Iowa where you kind of prove yourself. I, I think earlier in the year, uh, they had that game against Western Michigan, which I think going into it, you know, I just had all those things adding up over the years, you know, struggling against Mac opponents, not being able to blow out people. I, I think that's what Iowa kind of needs to do is break through the second half. I mean, in the last four games, they've ran 40 times in the second half for 140 yards. That's that's not going to beat anybody. And they have really struggled in the second half. And I think part of that with the running game is you're, what you're seeing is a, a lot of different pieces, but not one complete back at this point. Mark Wiseman's an injured guy. You know, he's got a really strong low center of gravity, drives people, gets in the hole, but he's, he really doesn't have a lot of first into the hole. And I think that's what's hurt him, especially when they're going on this outside zone. If you can't find the hole immediately, he's getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage and you're seeing teams do that, especially in the second half, really flow to the ball on the outside zone. You're looking at Damon Bullock, and he is, his numbers have really dropped the last few weeks. He just doesn't have the, either the, the strength, the power, or whatever to get into the hole. Jordan Canzari intrigues me because, you know, last week they inserted him, and wow, we saw a burst of quickness, and it's something that I think everybody's been clamoring for. But will you be able to sustain that for 10, 12 carries a game? And then finally, well, Sean Daniels, I think I see the most promise out of him, but he's still a very young 
player, a true freshman. He's fumbled a couple of times. Last week's fumble got popped really hard, so it's kind of his welcome to the Wisconsin rivalry moment, but ball went out of bounds. So I think he really, uh, I think he's got the most potential. But with Iowa, you wonder, okay, which one are you going to kind of nominate as being the guy? I mean, they've wanted Wiseman to be the guy, but I think Wiseman is a, is a good back, but does he really do anything extraordinary against good teams? And I think LaShawn Daniels has the most upside, and I think that's the guy you want to eventually have take over that role. Uh, but right now, they seem committed to the committee, and, and we'll see what that brings at Purdue. Well, while Iowa's offense appears to be heading south, Iowa's defense, I think most people would agree, is above average and, and improving, and, and it has to be licking its chops thinking about this Purdue game. The Boilermakers haven't scored in the last eight quarters. They've been shut out in consecutive games for the first time in 60 years. They've been outscored in their four Big Ten games, 155-17, to 17, and they have just 170 yards total rushing in four Big Ten games. And uh, you're talking about one of the best run defenses in the Big Ten. I would probably say after Michigan State, maybe the best. And uh, and so with Akeem Hunt, is a pretty good player for, for Purdue, but man, they're not giving him any help up front. They've got a, a freshman quarterback, so that, their running game is fairly anemic. And offensively, they're, they're very anemic, as you mentioned, those numbers. I also go to the fact they've scored 11 touchdowns all year, and Iowa's, I think, second worst in the Big Ten at 27. So that is, those are numbers that not only, you know, you're not going to win any games doing that, and that's pretty much what we've seen this year from Purdue. It's really strange, because I think over the years we've seen Purdue, if nothing else, has been kind of a dynamic offense with a lot of good offense skill position players, and uh, sometimes struggles to get off the field, uh, you know, against a really good team. This year, they can't do any of it. They've given up 40 touchdowns on on defense, so uh, this is, if, if you're Iowa, you, you've got to feel excited that you can correct some things and work on some things if you don't play to the level, down to the level of your competition, and that means you've got to extend drives. Uh, they've, they've really struggled with that, you know, third downs, and it's really not been one area. Sometimes it's a missed block from an interior lineman, sometimes a drop pass from a wide receiver, sometimes it's been a kind of overthrow or underthrow by the quarterback, and sometimes the running back doesn't get in the hole. There's no common element to what Iowa does on third down right now, but I think what, what Iowa needs to do is just get it done, figure it out, get it, and if they can do that, there should be a comfortable margin, but we've, <laughs> we've seen that over the years that Iowa sometimes doesn't quite think that way. To your point about 11 touchdowns all season, Purdue's averaging only 4.3 points per game in conference play, which is on pace to be the worst, I think, in, in over 10 years, maybe close to 20. The um, Their one win, they would be winless except for that one win against Indiana State, which is an FCS school, and that took an interception with just 19 seconds left to preserve that victory. They are a very young team. They're starting or are playing a slew of true freshmen, and not the least of which is their starting quarterback, Danny Etling. Yeah, that's that's the problem with a team like this. They're in a full rebuilding mode. I believe their travel roster is almost half freshmen, uh, either redshirt or true freshmen. Uh, 30 and the numbers, uh, you know, like 34, 35, something like that. That's just enough to get you beat by anybody. And, and right now, they, they just they can't they don't have any consistency. And, and I think, again, had Danny Hope been able to stick around, it could have been really bad because people kind of weren't really buying into what he was having to say. I really like what Daryl Hazel's doing, though. I think at this point, you, you've got to build for the future. And if that's getting some experience young, I think there's a there's a little bit of a parallel there with the way Kurt Ferentz inherited the Hawkeyes back in 1999. That was not a good team that got dominated game after game after game. But they really played hard. And I, I have seen some, uh, you know, some of that with Purdue 
that they have, they have played hard at times, and, and uh, they haven't quit. And they've got a really good, smart, articulate coach. So I think the future is good, but, but man, this, this is their medicine this year, and I, I don't think they like it very much. Yeah, Etley, in his four starting games, has passed for 674 yards. He's thrown three TDs, but he's also thrown five picks. Their previous starting quarterback at the beginning of the season is uh, Rob Henry. Iowa fans will remember him from last year in Kinnick. Etley's been sacked 19 times in those four starts. Uh, two of their top three rushers are freshmen. Four of their top seven receivers are freshmen. Yeah, again, this is a, this is a team that's, that's building for the future, and there wasn't a whole lot left there. I mean, they've had, they had some good players over the years. And one of the most intriguing players, I, I think, on their team is a guy named Patrick Beatty, who played basketball for Matt Painter a couple of years ago and then made the transition to tight end in football. You know, and Rob Henry now is over on the defensive side of the ball playing uh, safety, and, and he's done some punting, too. He had punts last week, so they're just moving a bunch of pieces uh, around. And, and, you know, the, the one thing I would worry about with somebody like Danny Etling is you, how much are you willing to let him kind of destroy himself in year one to see if there's any fruit in, you know, in year three and four? And Because you don't want to destroy the young man's confidence by playing some of these games, but yet you want him to get experience because he could be a pretty good player. So I think that's a real concern for this staff. But at the same time, they feel like he's their best option and he can do the most for them. And, you know, if he, if he gains the confidence and wins a game or two, late in the year, you know, it, it could really help them build for the future and certainly work out the offseason. It's, it's hard to talk about their leading receiver, whose name is D'Angelo Yancey, who's only averaging 41 yards a game in, in passing offense. They're 100th in the FBS, but that's better than the rushing offense, which is one, 121st. But Yancey has their two longest plays from scrimmage this year, 50 yards and 55 yards a ladder for a touchdown. Maybe if you're Purdue, you're looking at Iowa's susceptibility uh, to that long pass play. Yeah, I think that's probably what they're looking at is that Iowa, you know, play action tends to suck in the safeties a little bit, leaves the linebackers exposed, and uh, you might be able to hit something down the middle, you know, to get a deep post route or something like that. And Iowa's had some issues that way. And, and uh, this week I thought some of the interesting comments that I saw from uh, Daryl Hazel were, well, with Iowa, you know you're going to get. You're going to get what he calls cover six, which is really more of a cover four on the first two plays of the series, and then you're going to go to see a man coverage on third down. So he knows what you're going to get out of Iowa, and uh, he's just going to try to expose it. You know, he was wide receivers coach at Ohio State under Jim Trestle for all those years. But for Iowa, I, defensively, again, I think a lot like offensively, this is a kind of a get-well game to some extent, where the defensive line, I think, has really improved through the course of the year. Last week, you know, for three quarters, I thought they were exceptional. The linebackers are really good, so I think they probably feel pretty good about stopping the run. So it wouldn't surprise me if they decided just to go with, you know, kind of your base defense, maybe your cover two, cover four scheme, and allow those uh, and, and try to, to work on the pass coverage part of it. I, and I think D.J. Lowry and Desmond King have had, you know, a pretty strong year by and large. They've had a, they gave us a couple of big plays, but I think it's really it's about safety play right now, and they've had some, you know, mishaps. Uh, King had a bad play last week that made it look like Tanner Miller had a, he gave up a touchdown, but uh, by and large, I think you got two teams left that do have an explosive offense. I think to some extent you want to try to figure out how much better you can get in certain areas, work on those things, and, and help you get your result that you're looking for. Yeah, offensively, what Iowa will be facing is is a Purdue defense that switched schemes now under Hazel. They're allowing 291.5 yards rushing per game. Well, that's a good way to get your rushing offense healthy, you'd think, in the, in the four Big Ten games. What does it say about Purdue's defense when their leading tacklers are their two starting safeties and their starting cornerback? <laughs> that tells you they don't have anything up front. 
Mark. I'm I'm really surprised. I thought Bruce Gaston would be a really good player for Purdue. Uh, in fact, he picked Purdue over Iowa many years ago, and he was a really good player early on when uh, he and K1 Short were kind of the two two man defensive tackles the last couple of years. But he really hasn't uh, stepped up the way they needed him to. Now they do have one exceptional cornerback, and that's in Ricardo Allen, who has ten career interceptions, and he broke Rod Woodson's uh, school record for four pick sixes. He is a guy. He's a he's gonna be a, a handful for Iowa to deal with. He is a pro prospect uh, and a draft pick, no doubt. So to me, I think uh, what Iowa needs to do is is watch out for him. If he if they can not throw what we used to call stancy balls, <laughs> pick sixes, <laughs> in his direction, I think you'll see uh, uh, probably success in both. But, you know, if you're Iowa, you look at this game kind of the way you did with Iowa State, which was just go out and pound them. And Iowa did that against Iowa State. They had no problems running the ball on them. I think that's the same case here. The only question is, how do you want to do it and with what combination? You know, I think they would be smart to go ahead and, and decide, okay, LaShawn Daniels, you're our future, you're our guy, we're going to give you the most amount of carries here and sprinkle in a little bit of everybody else. But that's, that's usually not the way Iowa operates. Well, if they have one bright spot, you mentioned it earlier, They uh, their punting game is really good. They're number one in the nation in net putting, and they have the best punter in terms of average uh, yards per punt in the Big Ten. Yeah, Cody Webster, I talked with him yesterday, and he's a real weapon for them. In fact, last week he had a shank, I think it was on his first punt, and then his last seven he averaged 55 yards a punt. He, he's he kicked it 49 times with no touchback. He's not 18 down, I believe 50, 50 yards or plus, gets it inside the 20 on a regular basis. Uh, and he's, you know, and, and so you've got to wonder about that. And I think the, the interesting matchup is, at least on paper, you got the, the Big Ten's best punter against the Big Ten's best punt return. So you want to see, you know, what, who wins that. Now, my, from what I've seen over the course of the year, I would probably say uh, the punter wins that. <laughs> but, you know, Iowa tends to not return very many punts. But that's, and I think that's an interesting dynamic. But Cody Webster is a guy that will force Iowa to, to go the length of the field. And, and that's something that Iowa needs to prove it can do, even against bad teams. That's the good side of their kicking game. The bad Bad side is their field goals uh, kicking team has been problematical. They're only 50% on the year. Well, I, I think that's that's another plus for Iowa. I mean, if you want to get the shutout, I think this is your week to do it because even if Purdue can drive, they sure can't kick. Yeah. All right. What are your matchups here, your keys to the game, your prediction? You know, I think the matchup, the, the primary one for Iowa is it, it, it's on the outside. Can Kevontae Martin-Manley, can some of the wide receivers go head-to-head with Ricardo Allen, get open, make plays? Uh, because they're going to face good cornerbacks, you know, I mean, almost every game. But this guy is a veteran. He's a four-year starter. He, three times he's been uh, the least second team all Big Ten. Can they get open? Can Jake Rudock put the ball in there in, uh, in harm's way if necessary, but don't get picked? And then, two, I think it's just merely run the football in, in every situation that you, and be successful doing it. Even if it's third and five, if you run the football, make sure you get your first down. And then defensively, I think it's get pressure on, on Danny Etling. That will, they, I I don't think I will have any problems holding the running game down. But if they can get pressure on the young quarterback, I think that's that's the one area of concern all year long for the big for the Iowa's defense. And if they can do that, the things will happen. Score? I have Iowa winning right now, 27 to six. But I think that's a conservative pick. I, I just don't know that Iowa can. We've seen Iowa play down the level of its competition, and offensively they've stalled so much that I can't give them more points than that. But I think they're capable of it. If they have an explosive offense, I, I don't see Purdue scoring more than six points, but I could see Iowa scoring a lot more. But I'm going to go 27 to 6. That is good news. That is good news. That third hit as he throws. It's up in the air. 
And it's intercepted. Marcus Trotter was the man who put the heat on the quarterback, and Pat Muldoon came down with the ball. Trotter coming from the outside is going to get with a little bit of a blitz, timed it perfectly, beats Bullock, is able to alter the course of the throw, and Pat Muldoon for a big defensive end comes up and makes an athletic play, leaving his feet and getting it with the two hands. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week, and as always, thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.